This time on Geek Pod Blue. Warning, station is now code blue. Welcome to Geek Pod Blue. I am your host, Hugh, and it is day seven of the 12 Pods of Christmas. And I figured it's about time we had a geography lesson. Because we all know what's supposed to be at the North Pole. Um, everybody has seen the pictures of, you know, Santa's village. He's got the warehouses where he and the elves make toys. And he's got the house where he lives there with Mrs. Claus. The reindeer live in a barn. And everybody is all happy to be there. In 19 or 1879, I'm sorry, Thomas Nass revealed to the world in a bunch of drawings he did, which I believe we've talked about before, um, basically saying that Santa's workshop was at the North Pole. It was the first time that anybody really knew where it was. Now, uh, he kind of said that this was uh, specifically because the Aurora Borealis is centered around that, and it's definitely got some mystical properties. It's an area of the world that has a lot of legends and such associated with it, including Santa Claus. Now, we all know the Santa Claus workshop is there, but what else is at the North Pole? Uh, well, that's what I'm here to tell you. Uh, now, just talking about the North Pole, believe it or not, um, a lot of people lay claim to the North Pole. Now, Alaska has assigned a zip code of H0H0H0 so that anybody who sends uh, letters to Santa with that, that zip code will get to him. A bunch of Nordic countries also claim that Santa's workshop is located in their territories rather than the North Pole. Uh, Norway claims he lives in a place called Drobak. In Denmark, uh, they say he lives in Greenland. And in Sweden, there's a town called Mora, which has a theme park called Santa's World. Now, uh, the National Postal Terminal in Tomenboda in Stockholm also receives letters for Santa from kids. In Finland, a place called Korventunturi has long been known as Santa's home. And two theme parks, Santa Claus Village and Santa Park, are located at the Arctic Circle in a place called Rovenimi. Now, as you can see, there's a lot of countries that want to lay claim. Everybody wants to say that Santa's workshop is in their country because that makes him you know, very special. The United States has not been able to get in on this because we really don't have any territories that are close enough to the North Pole. I guarantee that if we, uh, if Canada or any part, anything up there was really part of us close enough to the North Pole, we'd be saying it was all ours. Uh, but interestingly enough, there is a North Pole in New York, and it happens to be in a place called Wilmington, and it's a little amusement park called Santa's Workshop. It's been around since 1949, and it was one of the first theme parks in the United States. Uh, it's currently open from June to December, and I have actually been there as a child. Uh, my parents took myself and uh, my aunt to Santa's workshop at North Pole, New York, and it was a very cool place. I mean, from what I can remember, I enjoyed it. Now, the idea for this little Santa's village uh, originated from a story that a Lake Placid businessman by the name of Julian Rice told his daughter about a baby bear who visits Santa Claus at the North Pole. Uh, obviously, that caught on, and they decided to have a North Pole of their own. Uh, it is not just modern times that have laid claim to the North Pole. Uh, in Greek mythology, uh, there is something called the Hyperboreans, and they were a mythical race of giants who lived beyond the North Wind. 
The Greeks thought that uh, Boreas, who was the god of the north wind, lived in a place called Thrace. And before that, Hyperborea indicates that the region lay far to the north of Thrace. This land was supposed to be perfect, with the sun shining 24 hours a day, which, you know, in this modern era suggests it could have a possible location at the Arctic Circle during the midnight sun time of the year. Now, the sun at the North Pole is continuously above the horizon during the summer and continuously below the horizon during the winter. Uh, the sunrise is just before the March equinox, around uh, 20, the 20th of March, and then the sun takes three months to reach its highest point, after which it starts to go down, reaching sunset around the September equinox. Now, when the sun is visible in the sky, it appears to move in a horizontal circle above the horizon. Uh, the North and South Pole actually experience the slowest rates of sunrise and sunset, on the earth I, what's interesting is if you did not understand that last bit i said it basically means that the sun rises and sets once a year at both the north, north pole and the south pole the sun rises and it's up for half the year and then it sets and it's down for half the year uh we've all heard of uh you know, like 30 days of night and all that, you know, in Alaska where, you know, that's dark for 30 days. Well, at the North Pole, it's half the year, uh, which is certainly interesting and uh, would probably drive some people crazy. Also, interestingly enough, and I did not know this, in most places on Earth, time is determined by the longitude so that the time of day is more or less synchronized to the position of the sun in the sky. So, you know, whenever the uh, sun is in the, at its highest, it's generally noon. Um, this doesn't work at the North Pole because the sun rises uh, and sets only once a year, and all lines of longitude converge there. I mean, when you're at the North Pole, every single direction you can walk is south. There's, since there's no permanent uh, human settlement at the North Pole, other than Santa's workshop, uh, no particular time zone has been assigned. It would be a really tough thing to try to figure out how you even uh, count that. Uh, any expeditions to the, the polar ice caps generally will use any time zone that, that works for them or Greenwich Mean Time or maybe the time zone of the country that they left from. The North Pole is also substantially warmer than the South Pole because it lies at a sea level in the middle of the ocean, which kind of acts like a, a, a heating um, pad, so to speak, rather than at an altitude on a continental landmass. Even though it's an ice cap, it does share some characteristics with a tundra climate due to July and August temperatures peaking just above freezing. And oh, hold on, my phone is going off. That must be Paul texting in with the next day of Christmas. And today, Paul says, On the seventh day of Christmas, my Hugh friend gave to me seven pictures of Gwyneth Paltrow with a box on her head. Interesting. Anyway, back to the history of the North Pole. Uh, many explorers claim to have found the North Pole uh, over the years. <clears throat> there was a, a significant number of explorers who made claims, but they were never able to be verified uh, due to not enough witnesses or witnesses that didn't have enough scientific acumen to be able to uh, independently confirm 
uh, what they've what they said they found or they, they discovered and uh, over the years basically all of those were disproven the first consistent verified scientifically convincing attainment of the pole was on may 12th in 1926 now this was a, a norwegian explorer by the name of roald amundsen and he had a u.s sponsor named lincoln ellsworth now basically what they did is they um took a flight started in norway and crossed the arctic circle to alaska and at that point uh, you know, they, they overflew again. They, they wanted to just make sure that everything was, you know, they knew where they were going to be going. And interestingly enough, um, one of the flights they took um, it went on a ship called the Italia, I'm sorry, an airship called the Italia, it actually crashed and they lost half the crew. Um, which I think is fascinating, but they did manage to, uh, to make it there and they are considered the very first people to have ever uh, officially made it to the North Pole. Now, as far as what's at the North Pole besides Santa Claus and the elves, uh, there's a lot of different uh, animals and flora and fauna. Uh, polar bears are rare. They rarely travel beyond around 82 uh, north uh, owing to the scarcity of food, though their tracks have been seen in the vicinity of the North Pole. And uh, in 2006, an expedition actually saw a polar bear just one mile from the North Pole. Uh, a ringed seal has also been seen there, and Arctic foxes have been observed less than 37 miles away. Birds seen at the North Pole are very close, include the snow bunting, the northern fulmer, and black-legged kitawake. Kitawake, that's fun to say. Um... Uh, other than birds, there's also fish as well. Uh, fish have been seen in the waters of the North Pole, of course. Uh, not a whole lot of them. It is pretty cold. Uh, but somebody did actually see, they, they saw a sea anemone there. Uh, it was scooped up uh, from the seabed mud by a Russian team. And uh, they also found some unidentified shrimps, which, I mean, I'm all for unidentified shrimps. I'd be happy to put them in my mouth and identify them for you. I will probably call them uh, tastiest delicious. Anyway, currently under international law, no country owns the North Pole or the region of the Arctic Ocean surrounding it. Now, the five surrounding Arctic countries, uh, the Russian Federation, Canada, Norway, Denmark, and uh, Greenland and the United States via Alaska are limited to a 200 nautical mile exclusive economic zone. The area beyond that is administered by the International Seabed Authority. Now, we've learned a lot about the North Pole today, but I, I felt bad if we were to leave out its polar opposite than the South Pole. See what I did there? So I decided to send our senior geography correspondent and senior shit I don't want to do correspondent Nick Mormon or webcam Nick Mormon to the South Pole to see what he could see there. Now I'm hoping that he made it. Uh, you know those discount tickets I bought, airline tickets I bought on Backpage looked a little sketchy but I figured hey you know even if they were sketchy tickets if you end up anywhere other than the South Pole, it's probably a good thing. You can't end up anywhere worse than the South Pole, at least. Or at least, I would think so. Anyway, let me uh, see if Nick is on the line. Hey, Nick, are you there? And what do you see at the South Pole? Hey, guys, this is Webcam Nick. And because my friends at GeekPod love me so much, they decided to send me to the South Pole. I don't feel loved. But anyway, I'm checking out some real estate that Hugh wanted me to look at. And the first couple of spots were great, and now I'm at this old abandoned research facility. And I'm just here to see if everything's on the up and up. And... Nick, are you there? Two guys just walked out. Oh my god, is that Kurt Russell and Walter Brimley? They're arguing. 
God, the oatmeal diabetes guy just turned into a freaking tentacle monster. Now he's raping Kurt. Ru oh my God. I've seen hentai better than this. Nick, Nick, are you there? Oh, we, we lost the connection. Uh, man, I hope he's okay. I mean, at least we learned what's at the South Pole. We also learned that Nick has apparently seen better hentai than that, so that's a little concerning. I did not know that about you. Uh, but it sounds like you've got a thing going on there, Nick, so uh, we're just going to let you get to it. I hope you're okay, and when you get back, there's going to be a mandatory blood test. Anyway, that's going to wrap things up for this episode of Geek Pod Blue. I will see you tomorrow when we continue the 12 Pods of Christmas. Till then, talk and roll, kids. <laughs> GeekPod Blue is a GeekPod Network production. Executive producers Paul Showens and Hugh Allen. Concept created by Paul Showens and Hugh Allen. Intro is Opportunity by Jameis Breed. Closing is Bucket by Jameis Breed. Both licensed for use by Dennis Johnston. Want to help the show? Leave a five-star rating on iTunes. GeekPod can be reached at contribute at geekpod.com or send us a tweet at geekpod. That's G33KPOD. You can also find GeekPod on Facebook and Instagram. G33KPOD. That's G33KPOD.